This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show. Today, I am talking to Tim Wong. Now, Tim, uh, I'm just going to read from his website here. Tim directs the Harvard-MIT Ethics and Governance of AI Initiative, which is a $26 million philanthropic fund uh, and research effort working to advance the development of machine learning in the public interest. Um, He's also worked as a global public policy lead for artificial intelligence and machine learning at Google. And he's done a bunch of other stuff, too. But today, we are here to talk about his work in trade magazines and the trade magazine uh, business that he has set up. Tim, welcome to the show. (laughs) Jeff, thanks for having me. Tim, what is that trade magazine business? Sure. So uh, it's a project that I run called the Trade Journal Cooperative. Um, And the idea is it's a subscription service. So you pay $15 every quarter uh, and every three months uh, you get a random trade journal from a random uh, niche industry that you may have not heard of before. And so um, it's a business where we get to trawl the weird world of trade journals. And um, yeah, it turns out that uh, a lot of people uh, enjoy that. So, And can you define what a trade journal is exactly? Sure, definitely. So trade journals are are kind of an interesting beast. Uh, They tend to be print magazines, actually, um, and they are sort of specialist publications for people working in a particular type of industry, right? So you have uh, Plumber Magazine, right? Uh, Or um, uh, Venting Magazine, like HVAC and Venting is like a a huge world where there's multiple trade journals that just service people that work in that world. And it's kind of the the gossip industry mag uh, of those particular places. Um, And it turns out there's an ecosystem for this, uh, for everything you can think of. So I subscribe via your service, and you send me a random trade magazine every three months. And I know this because I did it as soon as I heard about it because it was my favorite idea ever. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, that's that's the formula. I actually have, have have trouble articulating like what it is that I find so exciting about receiving a magazine <laughs> that is like ostensibly kind sure. of boring and not for me in the mail um, every few months. And I actually think it's it's funny because I actually think listeners of this show who know my interests and what excites me like. Uh, probably better than most of the people I know in my actual life. Maybe they can um, help. Maybe they probably know, but I don't. Like, what is it that appeals to me, and what appeals to you about these magazines? Because, like, reading a plumbing magazine, like, should you know, on its surface level, doesn't seem very fun. Right. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah. When I originally pitched this idea, my mom was like, that's possibly the most boring idea I've ever heard of. So uh, I like, I totally understand the kind of puzzlement around this sort of thing. But I, I, I would say. You know, the thing that I really love about it, I guess there's two things. One of them is when, you know, stuff is just a lot more similar across industries than you would even think, right? So, uh, as you mentioned in the very beginning, I, I tend to be, you know, in the tech industry. You know, I've worked with Google and a couple of other different companies. And, um, you know, that's a very particular kind of universe. But this project actually inspired because a friend of mine passed me this trade journal a little while back uh, that's called uh, Pasta Professional. It's the journal for the uh, pasta industry. It's like a flagship journal. And you read in there and they're basically like, what do we do about millennials, right? Which is like such a funny thing because it's like, oh yeah, well it just turns out that like this discussion is happening in so many different places, um, to- totally in parallel and like totally in these parallel universes. Um, and so I think that's that's one thing that really I, I get excited by is just like kind of getting to see how all these worlds are similar. They're also sometimes radically different, right? So the first journal that we shipped out for the Trade Journal Cooperative was a journal called uh, Elevator World. 
so that's the, the journal of uh, the elevators. Well, actually, the, the vertical transportation industry, right? And so escalators, escalators count too. Uh, escalators count too, and it's actually really interesting that there's separate journals for elevators and escalators, right? Because these are two different worlds, two different types of businesses, uh, and and yeah, and, and it's amazing you kind of dig into it. It's like, oh yeah, it just turns out that like, of course, uh, you know, people have to be thinking 24/7 about how to get elevators to work properly and safely, uh, and just being able to peer into that is such a kind of cool thing to kind of see into this world that you you basically don't have access to, and that, that's another thing that I really love about the whole thing. So what did you like see in Elevator World that kind of set your imagination on fire? I'm holding my copy of Elevator World right now. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I loved this magazine. What, what was it like? What did you see that was that like surprised you? Because elevators, we all take elevators all the time, but we don't think about them much. Here are people who are, you know, like you said, living in it. What, what, what are right. they thinking about that we're not thinking about with regards to elevators? So I think the two things that that basically the elevator community is like really excited by right now. Uh, one of them, which I thought was really interesting, is that it's uh, it's obviously right now that I never thought about it until I read this journal. But like the elevator industry is like very concerned about the future, right? Like what happens uh, in a world where buildings are built even higher, and you know the world is urbanizing, all these sort of big mega trends. Um, and, and I think they're really interested in kind of like the latest and greatest technology in elevator management. So, you know, AI is like a really hot overhyped technology right now, but it's amazing that like, even in elevators, they're like, okay, well, how could, how could AI and machine learning be used to, to make these, uh, you know, routing algorithms for elevators, uh, ever more optimized. So I think that's, that's one thing, which is like totally, uh, fascinating, uh, and got me really interested in it. Second one is just like the degree to which, again, this is obvious when you think about it, but you don't really think about it until you read, you know, these types of journals, uh, is how sort of tied to the building industry it is. So they got completely crushed in 2008. Um, and and I think they, they watch, they keep a really close eye on things like the housing and building markets. And it's, I guess, amazing how much like their work is tied into these like broader economic forces. So uh, it's a little bit of a nerdy response, but at least that's the stuff that got me really excited is like, on one hand, it's funny because it's like something you never think about. But like, as you dig into it, it's just incredibly deep. You know, what, the thing that got me the most excited in Elevator uh -huh. World uh, is... And the, I'm a child because the thing that got me the most excited was the <laughs> comics. There are comics, like editorial comics yeah, with elevator right. humor in Elevator World. <laughs> and you can actually go to their website, elevator-world.com, um, and look at all the archives of their elevator humor, which I strongly recommend you do. These are like jokes for people about, uh, who work on elevators, about elevators. And I just like seeing like um, sort of a standard editorial feature Put through just put through that elevator lens, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, like the elevator view on the world, basically. Right, right. And then the <laughs> other thing that really stuck out to me, just flipping through the magazine, is uh, in my issue, and everyone mm -hmm. gets a different issue, which I kind of want to ask you about. Or there's a bunch. You sure. said out a bunch of different ones, I think. But the one I'm looking at, the January 2009 issue of Elevator World, there's an article called "Optimization of the Operational Break," and it's like three pages long and has some straight up <laughs> trigonometry in here. You know, that's like, right. It's got some like far side scientist chalkboard math where like <laughs> letters and charts and fractions and expo exp like um, variable exponents. And I mean, I can't even begin to make sense of it, but it's like some pretty se it's a pretty serious math uh, article in the middle of this. Elevator. Like, yeah, of course, these and people have these like uh, you're, they're they're hundreds of thousands of lives sure. like, are, are in their hands every day to make sure yep. the elevator works. Obviously, math is a part <laughs> of that, but like it's just like kind of not what you expect when you open up an elevator magazine, you know? As, absolutely, yeah. And I, I think that's what one of the things that is really great about uh, publications like Elevator World, right? It's like very much by and for people in the elevator industry. There's no attempt to make it 
you know, accessible. <laughs> yeah, to they're not like, how can we, br- we need to r- increase readership. Right, exactly, right, right. And, and I think because they have these small dedicated audiences, they can really afford to just basically say like, you know, screw it, we're going to just spend three or four pages on this algorithm that's getting us really excited, you know, and, and that there's like some real deep math that like, yeah, if you can't read it, then, you know, maybe this publication isn't for you. And I, I really appreciate that, right? Like, <laughs> you know, that, that there are still publications out there doing doing this, so... Uh, how did you? The elevator world was, I believe, the inaugural issue in this mm-hmm. in, in your program. How did you pick Elevator World as the first one? So you know, uh, and I actually got a question from one of our members recently about this, which is like, how do you how do you find and identify journals, right? Because it doesn't yeah. turn out there's. I'm sure there is actually, and I have to do some digging now because it kind of sparked this thinking thinking in my mind, which is, is there a trade journal for trade journals, oh right? Oh my like, God, I, th- I think journal. you might be creating it. I think this is Which this. is, yeah, which I, I don't know. If that exists, it's going to totally blow my mind. But there, there's basically no index that I found to all the trade publications in the world. So, you know, the exercise of trying to identify um, these magazines really is a matter of just kind of like thinking about like, I wonder if there's a trade journal about this and then just doing some digging and trying to find whether or not it exists, and invariably it, it frequently does. And and you know, with Elevator World, there was any number of, you know, five or six different candidate trade journals that we were looking at. And and that's not to mention the fact that you then have to call the place and be like, hey, you know, we're not part of this industry, but we want to purchase some n number of magazines. So so there are other Elevator trade journals competing with Elevator World. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so Elevator World's kind of the longstanding one. It's kind of the, you know, it's the Time Magazine or the New York Times of the, uh, of the Elevator yeah. universe. It's the paper uh, of record in Elevator World. That's right. Exactly. No, absolutely. And, and it's actually built that way, right? That it is, in fact, the paper of record uh, in, in Elevator World. Yeah, and I'm looking at the cover and it actually does say the magazine of the international building transportation totally. industry. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and Elevator World itself, right, uh, is, a, is a company that actually has publications that are more specific, right? So they have a bunch of like regional divisions. So if you work in Europe and you're in the vertical transportation industry, there's one for you there, right? And, um, and so, yeah, the, these, these, these ecosystems, as I was saying, they're like fractal, right? Like you dig into them and it just turns out there's even more differentiation. So like the new one that we did, uh, American Laundry uh, News, right, has uh, American Coinop, which is another one, uh, and American Dry Cleaner, right? Is and like those like video games, different. like coin operated video games. That's when I hear oh, Coinop. That's what I think of. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's actually Coinop, Coinop uh, uh, washing machines. Actually. Also interesting. Also could be fun. <laughs> yes, could be fun. It can could also fun. can also be an afternoon activity, <laughs> I guess. Um, do these magazines like what is the business model? Because if you look at Elevator mm-hmm. World, it's a glossy magazine. It's full of mm-hmm. ads. Like um, if you couldn't read English, you could put it on uh, a magazine stand, and you would think it's just like a regular magazine. Like it's it's right. uh, it's a nice product. So, but like uh, it seems as though there are less people reading the magazine, but the people reading the magazine are exactly the people that uh, elevator manufacturers and button manufacturers, and there's all sorts of weird and interesting uh, manufacturers in here that they want to reach. So is it that these businesses, that they're paying real premiums for uh, these ads because they're reaching such a dedicated elevator audience? Yeah, that so that tends to be the case, right? And and actually, that that is reminding me, right? Like, I guess a comparison to the New York Times isn't right. It's actually more like the it's the Vogue magazine of the elevator world, uh, and and yeah, and I think that that is largely like trade journals are surprisingly robust and sustainable in this day and age, in part because their audience really, really cares about what they have to report on, right? And so, you know, whereas you have these like huge kind of big publications existing in the world, there's also this kind of like infinitely tiny long tail 
uh, of trade magazines that are just happily very sustainable because you know if you're you're in the if you're in the wooden pallet business you really need to know you know what the latest breaking news on timber is and the only place to get it is these trade publications and so so it really still ends up being a pretty robust business um, even though everybody's kind of like print is dead and all that um what does Elevator World say when you call them up and tell them you want to pub- you want to purchase a bunch <laughs> of packages? Because I'm looking at, I mean, you shipped me and I paid you to send me a ten year old sure. issue of Elevator World, and I love it. <laughs> I love it very dearly. But like, um, like they they have a warehouse of back issues. Like, how did what was that like? What did they say when you called them? Yeah, I mean, so the the point of comparison I always have is um, for a while I was running a, a kind of uh, a club called uh, the Infrastructure Observatory, and and basically Infrastructure Observatory was a group of people that just wanted to visit like um, your local water treatment plant, right, or your local power plant. Uh, and there was this kind of funny exercise that we got into with the project because most of these places they're like when when they hear from the public, it's usually because people are complaining, right? They're like, why is the power not on? And uh, and to call as kind of a fan of infrastructure is such a weird experience because it takes some time for, you know, to convince them that you're just you're just really interested. And there's they, like they must be suspicious here. at first, and they're like not exactly. even sure what they're suspicious of, like what you're getting at. But like, right, just, right. It like seem- why are you even into this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's right. And, and so a similar thing is 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 I'm running into a similar thing I'd say with the Trade Journal Cooperative, right? Which is when you call some of these places. They're kind of like, why would you want to do something like this? Um, and and part of it, I think, is just to kind of persuade them that, hey, you know, you actually have a huge audience of people who are not in the industry who just really want to hear about what's going on. Um, and and that's that's been a really fun experience every time. You know, some people get it right away and they're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Like, you know, this guy, Caleb, we worked with at Elevator World was like really excited about the project and it was really easy. In other cases, it takes a little bit more persuasion <laughs> on the phone. So, And then... You know, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but like why, you know, when you started this thing, I I put something on you in the beginning and I said it was a business and this was your business. Like, do you think of it as a business or is it like the infrastructure club and you're just like getting people like minded folk involved in this like fun interest you have? Sure. I mean, I think about it as a as a business, but but you know, I think the the real core thing for me is that I have a sustainable excuse to read lots of trade journals. Right, right, right. Uh, and so so it's it's very much run in that fashion, right? Like largely the subscriptions uh, pay for the cost of you know time and getting it out to everybody and acquiring the magazines and all that kind of stuff. But you know, it's very much a labor of love. Like I, I don't know if this sort of thing ends up being a, a full time career though, even though I I would love if that happens. But uh, but very much trying to treating it as a hobby at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's you heard the introduction. It sounds like you're, you're busy in your day job too. Is this something yeah, you're that, doing like nights, weekends? Yeah, this is very much a kind of like a nights, weekends project. You know, I, I like uh, I was talking to a friend recently who was kind of like, "How did you get into doing this?" And it started very much as a, like a hobby. I was just like collecting these things, and then I was kind of like, "I wonder if anyone else would like." want to kind of be along for the ride as I collected uh, these trade journals. And uh, and so it's very much a kind of nights and weekends type of project. And and luckily, you know, my work has a lot of flexibility in my schedule. So that, that makes it also possible. And how do you find this is such like a funny thing to market? Like there's no like obvious <laughs> Facebook page where you would tell people about this, right? Like how do you like how do you how do you get people to find out about it? Right now, because there's no way to, uh, you know, like I don't know. I was kind of thinking about it recently. I was like, okay, so how do we, how do we, you know, there's clearly people who are into this. How do we like expand this? And it's kind of like, how do you, how do you even like target an advertisement for this sort of thing? Totally. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and yeah. And, and I don't, really, don't want to brag, but I think this podcast is actually, I, I think this podcast, <laughs> I, 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 
I messed up because I, I'm inviting you on for free, but uh-huh. I actually think you should be advertising on this podcast. <laughs> this is your, I think these listeners are your audience. I really do. Yeah, I think it really may be. I mean, you know, and, and so it's kind of just spread on a very kind of word of mouth basis. People are like, hey, I just got this elevator world. There's this weirdly fascinating article and they're posting it on social media or whatever. And it's kind of spreading from person to person that way. And, you know, as a result, we end, end up having a subscriber base, which is is kind of weird, right? Like there's some people who, like you and me, we're just like really excited by it. But like, it's also really interesting. We actually have a definitive group of people who like, they're, they're like investors. They're like, oh, well, this is actually a chance to find like new opportunities or businesses we might invest in. And so it's actually really interesting that it's kind of collecting such a, a, a kind of patchwork group of people who are you know, excited to get a 10-year-old trade journal in their mail every month or yeah. every other month, the, three months. Can I get investment news? I, could, I guess I could imagine, like, if it was a new issue of Elevator World, but is a January 2009 <laughs> issue of Elevator World really going to have investable advice for me? Uh, tough to say. I mean, like, again, some of these trends are long-term, but just people don't hear about them because they're, you know, obscure is the wrong word, but certainly people are not, like, paying attention to elevators in the way that, like, it's getting a headline, you know, in CNN every single day. And so... I think actually I find from investors like they're actually just interested in getting like a flavor of what's the what's the hot thing in the industry at the moment. I guess I could appreciate that it would help you think about industries in new ways and look at them from new angles. Like we've already done a little bit with the elevators today and like think about, you know, okay, there's more buildings going up. What does that mean for the elevator industry? So I guess I could imagine it like just opens up your brain a little bit and helps you think. Yeah, and I hear from, totally, and I I hear from some journalists that are using Trade Journal Cooperative actually a little bit like this as well, right, where they're like, you know, everybody's already told the story about, say, like, Brexit, right, and and how do we we get a new spin, new angle on this? And, right, it turns out, you know, pasta professionals, like, okay, will the UK have access to pasta, you know, once Brexit happens, which is, like, instantly a really interesting uh, take on on these big issues. And so, um, yeah, again, I, I think it's, it, it is a useful tool for a lot of people in, in a professional way, which is like totally unexpected when I started this. Can we talk about your logo? Um, this is tough to do on a podcast, so I would encourage everyone <laughs> to go to tradejournalcooperative.com and look. It's a little Freemason-y. There's like some, at, there's a donkey and a pigeon, I want to say, and they're kind of like holding up um, an emblem that's full of uh, socks, beakers, po- there's pasta, teeth. So I guess the stuff in the middle is the trade journals, but a donkey and a pigeon, what are they, what are they about to you? Well, yeah. So Helen Seng, who uh, is an amazing designer who helped me put this one together, um, we were kind of going back and forth about like what the aesthetic of the trade journal cooperative should look like. And, and I kind of, you know, like the look of sort of like, like an old, like an old business, like an established, you know, club. Um, and, you know, we, we're trying to figuring out like creatively how we're able to work this into a logo and, and the end result is what you see on the website. But with the donkey and the pigeon, it's sort of supposed to like, these are all animals that carry things to you. Uh, mm-hmm. and so that, that was the justification was that, you know, you know, th- these are, these are animals that symbolize like the fact that you get some shipment of something, you know, every three months. Um, and you know, mostly I don't want to overthink it. It just, it looks cool. So it does. And it looks like an old business. Like it definitely looks like it means something, you know, like it definitely right. looks like there's some <laughs> yeah. meaning behind it. And it's kind of what we're going for is like, you, you should know that it means something, but not necessarily know what it means. <laughs> so then the other piece of business that's sort of tra- mm-hmm. trade journal cooperative infrastructure and not the magazine itself is you write a letter and include a letter with each magazine. What made you think that you had to do that? And like, what are you trying to do with those letters? Well, sure. So, you know, I think uh, this is partially, you know, just part of the research that I do in, in sourcing the trade journals, right? A lot of it's kind of looking at industries and saying like, oh, what's what's sort of like an industry, in, industry, uh, interesting industry that has some unexpected things going on in it? And as a result, I end up compiling sort of a lot of notes 
Um, and, you know, I figured it's, it's kind of good when you get one of these trade journals to have some kind of guide into this world, right? To say, like, what are cool things that you should, you know, keep an eye out on? Um, you know, recently I was kind of saying online, I was like, well, this is actually a little bit, you know, we're, we're sort of like National Geographic for capitalism, right? And so, like, part of what I'm doing is hopefully giving, a, like, a little bit of context to, like, how to read and, and what's fun to see as you browse through this. Um, and, uh, and it, it, it has ended up kind of being a fun thing. Like, we may end up kind of bringing in, you know, domain experts and other people to eventually uh, guest write some of these, even though, you know, in the first two that I've done, it's just been me. So let me give you an example of something specific you call out. In the laundry, uh, what is it called? The American Laundry News letter, yeah. in the letter introducing that trade journal, you wrote, uh, we're very fond of ALN columnist at large, Eric L. Frederick, uh, mm -hmm. RLLD, like Eric L. Frederick, comma, RLLD, and you're, you explain, that's a registered laundry and linen director, one of a number of certifications you can get through the Association for Linen Management. Uh, he is a 44-year veteran of laundry who writes about long-term trends in the industry. So, like, what, what about him uh, made you want to call him out and, like, draw readers to this specific columnist? Yeah, definitely. So there's two things there that, that you know, you'll, you'll kind of hear on, on reading it, right? Like, I think one of them is... Uh, there's a chance to kind of spotlight, you know, the whole world that exists around this magazine, right? It's not just, you know, people read a regular periodical about laundry, but in fact, there's a whole system of certifications, right, that you may have never, ever heard of before. And I think that's like a real opportunity to kind of like shine a spotlight and say, hey, you know, if you, you are intrigued by what you read here, there's actually a ton more to explore. And if you want to be certified as an RLLD, like there's, there's like a program for you to do that. So I think that's one. Uh, second one is... You know, uh, particularly in the case of uh, of Eric and American Laundry News, right? A lot of these trade journals have columnists that that publish over a long span of time and and actually become kind of noted people in the industry, right? Like in the same way that you have like you know elder statesmen of pop music, you really do have elder statesmen of say the laundry industry. Uh, and so you know Eric's you know prose is very fun to read. But he's also kind of like also mentions a bunch of things in his articles and columns um, uh, about the history uh, of laundry, which I just thought was super fascinating. So that's why we called it out. And American Laundry News kind of a little flimsier than Elevator World, which is like a glossy <laughs> magazine. Laundry News more of like um, kind of like uh, I don't know exactly how to describe it, like variety. It's like uh, it's not newspaper, but it's not quite a magazine either. That's right. Yeah. And and I think this is actually a big part of it. So a lot of people have said, okay, so why don't you just do this as like a, like a web thing, like a digital thing. And, uh, you know, certainly one of the things I really enjoy about the trade journals is that the, the production method of all of them is, is slightly different. Right. And, and you actually kind of get a feel of like, okay, like, you know, elevator world, right. Is like the glossy Vogue magazine. It's supposed to be like the showcase um, whereas the laundry news, uh, American laundry news, right. Is very much kind of like a, a periodical that's like, let me get the let me get the big hits. Like, what are the, what's the big news? And you know, it's maybe not something that you keep on the shelf for a long period of time. Uh, and I think that's that's all that's all really relevant, and it's all you know part of kind of this idea that you can be sort of a tourist in going to all these industries and seeing what's going on in them. I guess also elevators, kind of a classier industry. Not to talk down on laundry at all, but like you know, <laughs> skyscrapers and so forth. Like, it makes sense. You got to show off your goods, like, and make it look a little classier, right? Magazines. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so so yeah, and absolutely. Like the 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 like the material kind of production of these uh, periodicals, 
really tells you a lot about who the intended audience is, right? So when you read Elevator World, there really are just kind of showcases of like really cool, amazing projects uh, that people have done in elevators. And it's it's very much a glossy, right? It's a, it's trying to showcase the cool things that you can do with elevators. Whereas with Laundry, I think there there's a lot more of a focus on kind of what the latest tech is, um, you know, and I think it is actually people who might be more in kind of the operations management uh, uh, of laundries. And so the concerns are different uh, as well as what the intended purpose of it is. And and the way to think about these trade journals really is, is if you can think about it as like a media product that you've you've seen in the real world, right? Like real world's wrong. Uh, you know, like if, if, if you can think of a media product in, you know, popular culture, right? Like, oh, like CNN or like, oh, you know, Serial, uh, the podcast. Like really all those channels are also being used by the trade journals now, right? So American Laundry News has the publication, but they also have web. Uh, they also have a podcast. Uh, they also host conferences. Uh, and so, so really it is multi-channel with a lot of these, uh, these trade journals. What's something you learn about laundry that you never thought about laundry, exploring the laundry news? So one thing uh, that I had never really thought about laundry is uh, how much of it is uh, sort of dependent on sort of chemical science, right? So you think of laundries, you're like, okay, well, I don't know, you just, you, you put the shirts and underwear in, you throw the detergent in and you wash and like how, how difficult can that be? But it turns out that for people who really run laundries as a business, right, um, you really start to think about this entire laundry process as a thing that you constantly have to like optimize to the you know the nth degree, right? You got to keep costs low. Um, you know they, they've got a metric in the industry called pounds per operator hour, right? which is just how much laundry are we moving through this process in 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 how much time? And uh, and a big component of that is is the selection of chemicals that you use to wash the laundry. Um, and, and it turns out that that actually is, is more art than science in some ways, right? That these people really know how to mix the chemicals, but it depends very much on the specific thing you're trying to wash, right? So if you are washing uh, hospital laundry, right, you really may need to worry about, you know, uh, disinfectants in a way that you may not need to worry about if you're just running a, like a coin-op laundry, right? And, and I think that's a really interesting thing is that there's this kind of, you know, sort of like chemistry uh, uh, that at the center of the industry, which you don't normally think about because you normally think about like the machines and the laundry turning in them, right? Right, right, right. So that's a lot like the physics that we saw in the Elevator magazine that like these things which we think of as kind of uh, pedestrian everyday things actually have like this pretty hardcore science and if you're dealing with them every day that you have to dig into. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And and so I'm kind of thinking, uh, you know, the last, the, the, these first two that we've done have really been you know, like we were joking earlier, right? Like if the elevator like lens on the world, or the laundry lens on the world tends to be very, very science, right? Like these are people who are really kind of ultimately sort of engineers working on yeah. technical problems. And it kind of makes me think about like what are other ones which may not have that frame, right? Or that lens, right? Like is the is the candy industry's lens on these issues exactly the same way? Like uh, probably not, right? And, and so I think there's some interest now in not just thinking about like, okay, can we go from industry to industry, but can we also reveal like really different types of cultures across all these industries? Yeah, that makes sense. I like, I'm, I want to ask you other magazines you're looking at, but I also don't want to spoil future packages <laughs> I'm getting in the mail. I don't, I feel, I feel like it's like, I need, I need a spoiler alert before you can talk about what you're looking at. But yeah, I guess so let me ask you like, what are, when you're looking at, uh, like is, are there good ones and great ones? And like, what separates the great ones? Like how did we get laundry news and elevator world? Like what made them rise above the other ones that you were looking at? 
Sure. Um, you know, so I, I, there, there is a certain uh, je ne sais quoi with choosing, uh, you know, the these trade journals, right? And and you know, I think part of it is just getting them and reading them, right? And and kind of seeing what is the types of things uh, that that they publish on a regular basis. Um, but I would say that you know, maybe a couple factors, right? That that I think are really important, right? Like one of them is. Um, how substantive is it, right? Like, you know, Elevator World would be a lot less fun if it was just photos of interesting elevators, right? Like, that's that's sort of an interesting curiosity, but it's, it doesn't sort of draw you in in the same way that a, you know, three-page article about how to make sure that, uh, you know, that, that your elevators are safe uh, really, really digs, digs in. And so I think that's one thing is just like how sort of chunky are the articles? How much are we really, really getting into the nuts and bolts of the industry? I think that's one. Um the second one is is the ads, right? Which I think are just like almost fun on their own. Definitely, as a, yeah, because they're ads for, I mean, products you've never seen and will never totally, hear. Totally, right. Yeah, it just turns out, right, like for elevators. Like there's uh, not a Ford ad in the elevator magazine. No, like, no, right, exactly. Yeah. And like a lot of the advertisers that you are just like familiar with just never appear, right? Because, you know, Coca-Cola, right, is not is not advertising in elevator world. But man, if you really want to advertise, uh, you know, the, the cable that you use to hold up elevators, you got to be in elevator world. And so I think that's that's really a second factor that I really look for is, you know, what, what, what's the quality of the ads? Because I think they reveal like so much. Uh, and then I think the final one is what we've talked about, right? Is this kind of like, you know, how fun is it just to kind of like hold and flip through, right? Because ultimately people are paying for a physical shipment. So hopefully like the thing that they get in the mail is, is itself kind of fun to, to read and, 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 uh, and browse. Can I, I have a, a comment slash complaint about sure. one of the ads in Elevator World, which is, okay. <laughs> so I'm looking at the January 2009 Elevator World, you know, it's almost 10 years ago, this is pre-Me Too, but I gotta yeah. tell you, there is a pretty sexist Elevator ad in here. Really? Uh, I was not aware of that. Huh. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'll send you a picture of it, because, you know, it's funny, if I guess, looking through the right lens at how terrible it is, but it says, increase your ride quality, and there's, a, a like, a photo, which is not maybe of the quality of photos you see in like, you know, standard ads that you might see in a more mainstream magazine of these two people like making out in an elevator and it says increase your ride quality. And it appears to be some sort it's an ad for some sort of computer, uh, lift PC mobile diagnosis. That's right. I'll name names. I'll put them on blast. Uh, (laughs) I guess you hook this computer up to your uh, elevator and it gives you elevator performance stats and they are advertising that in kind of this, this weird way. Huh. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I hadn't seen that one. Uh, if you want to send it, I, I'd be really interested. I, would in, definitely, in I will definitely follow up and send that to you. Yeah, no, but you're right. Flipping through the ads is, I mean, that's that's part of the fun, right? That's part of the joy is like discovering those things like that. Absolutely. Um, in one of the initial letters, you said, it, actually, it's like the first line in your letter. I'm just flipping through my, my papers here. Mm-hmm. Um, you said, greetings, blah, blah, blah. We're absolutely thrilled that you've joined and made possible this experiment in industrial exploration. Like, is this really, <laughs> is this an experiment for you? Like, what are you, what are you testing? Is the experiment like, do other people care about this? Uh, yeah, I think that that is that is a key experiment. I think it's a key thing that we're discovering through this. What's your hypothesis? Uh, my original hypothesis would be uh, no one's really interested in it, Tim. You should just like go back home and like make this your own weird like hobby collecting these things. Uh, and, and I'm glad to say the experiment is proving me wrong in a really huge way that it actually just turns out that like people are like really excited, uh, to get random trade publications. Um, and that kind of suggests that there's, there's potentially like a a community around this, like that people actually want to get together and talk about it. Um, which, uh, makes me really happy, right? Cause, uh, uh, I'm not alone, which is a great feeling. (laughs) 
do you have or did you have like ideas, like ideas for kind of, uh, you know, let's say weird businesses, not weird in a judgmental way, but, you know, unusual businesses. <laughs> um, do you have those ideas all the time and this is the one that sucked? Or did you just like get this idea in your head, your head and you couldn't get it out? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a combination of both, really. Yeah, I would say that there there tends to be a bunch of weird projects that I'm I'm kind of tinkering with at any given time. Some of them eventually kind of burst out into reality, uh, and and this this is one of them. And you know, this is something I always ask people who do more than one interesting thing. But as someone who, let me go back to the tab, make sure I get this right, directs the Harvard <laughs> MIT Ethics and Governance of AI Initiative, uh, does that like does your work? there at all influence the way you think about trade magazines you get you must get an ai trade magazine or two right there's got to be a million of them yeah there's actually well it's interesting i mean ai in particular is is really fascinating so one of the things that we think about on this ethics and governance of ai project is that you know ai is not just kind of like a a, a technical thing right it's not just kind of computer scientists getting into a room and saying well it actually turns out i can recognize a cat in this picture better than i did before but it's also this kind of like popular culture phenomenon, right? Like what we think of as AI is so dependent on on the movies, right? Uh, and and yeah, and, and I think it, it does really inform, I guess, how I think about, you know, uh, I guess AI across all these different industries as well, right? Because it just turns out like whether you're in the pasta industry or you're in the elevator industry, AI is a thing that people are talking about. What is, uh, and so, what is the AI implications of pasta, just for instance? Uh, so, you know, so one of the big things you need to do in pasta is recognize, uh, you know, uh, defects in your extrusion of pasta, right? So you think you ship macaroni, you don't want to ship so many macaronis that are broken at some point in the factory. And, you know, that, that quality control is sometimes done by hand. There's a bunch of different ways of trying to do it. But one idea is maybe we actually have a machine that can just look at you know, a stream of macaroni going by and, and instantly kind of estimate which things are, um, you know, broken and which ones aren't, right? And so it actually might play a role in the quality control process, which, again, like a use that I would never have thought of, but uh, is something that, you know, obviously people are kind of trying to put this technology to use. Okay, so I'm sorry, I got you off track there. You were just talking about how <laughs> AI, it really does touch on all these different industries and has the potential to change everything from elevators to laundry to pasta. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, potential to change is a little, little bit strong, right? Because I think in some cases, it really is like the hype cycle that just kind of echoes through all these industries. But, you know, I think each one really thinks about it in a different way. And, and yeah, and so I think actually my work on, you know, my day job working on AI, you know, does actually end up kind of informing, like, you know, the types of things I find interesting in these trade journals, right? In part because I'm like familiar with the technical side, but sort of interesting seeing it play out as it kind of moves from, you know, these labs in Silicon Valley to the rest of the economy. Right, right, right. And do you ever, do you like contribute to any trade magazines about AI or anything like that? Have you ever lived on that side? Uh, no, I, I, I haven't, uh, though I, I kind of want to now. Like, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like now that, you know, I've kind of got a better perch on which to see all these trade journals, one obvious response is like, well, I don't know if I have something fun to say. It might be kind of cool to pitch them. So uh, I don't know, I may, I may try to get into one of these at some point. <laughs> And how many trade journals are you looking through to like find the the, the four you're going to send out a year? Yo, there's there's a lot. So I I do the research just kind of as a as a personal interest, right? And so that list has just been building for a really long time. And I you know I'd have to check. I don't have it right in front of me, but you know there's there's some 200 300 trade journals that are sort of like listed in there that are like oh that'd be kind of an interesting candidate for one of these at some point. And so part of the work is just kind of like pulling from that horde, right? Like we call a bunch of them that seem interesting and we sort of see what sticks. Um, and so, 
so that that's sort of the method. Uh, but but really, the the journals that are coming out are selected from a much larger pool. What is the range uh, of dates of the Elevator magazines you sent out? Because I have one that's ten years old. Did you send out like? I mean, is it an Elevator magazine from every month from the past ten years? Like, do, you, do they have that many? Yeah, I think it, it that really depends on each publication, right? So, like, you'll call a place, and occasionally some of them will just be like, "No, you know, like after the you know after the year, we just dump out all the ones from the previous year, right? Those are all gone. We don't have access to them anymore." Uh, some really actually hold on to an archive that we're able to kind of access. And so in Elevator World's case, they just said, hey, we, we just let us know what years you want. We can go way back, right? And so one of the ones that I have, uh, you know, uh, over here uh, is one from like 86, right? It's like a really old, it's a really old trade pub. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think it really it really differs, right? In the, in the American Laundry News case, right? Like they're like, well, we have a lot more back issues, but from like the recent few years, is that all right? Um, and I think we're still working out the formula there. You know, I think some people want more recent issues. Some people are really happy to get the, the vintage stuff. So I have to figure out a little bit about how that's going to go. Uh, are, have there been any magazines that you wanted to share with everyone, but they were like, yeah, sorry, we don't have like Waffle Press magazines going back three <laughs> years or whatever? Yeah, so there's a publication for, um, let me see if I can get the name right. It's the American Association of Amusement Parks has a magazine called Funland which is just about trends in the amusement park industry, which would have been fascinating to get. But unfortunately, they don't, they don't have any uh, back issues that are available. So we had to give that one a pass. Mm, interesting. So how far ahead are you? Like, do you know what I'm getting next? And do you know what I'm getting after that? Uh, we're in the process right now. The one after that, uh, I usually kind of build it on an issue-by-issue basis. So we're, we're really deep in the process right now of calling and figuring out you know, who, who might be the right one for, for uh, the new year. And when you say we, what kind of team have you assembled here? <laughs> uh, a, a group of you know like-minded trade journal enthusiasts. Uh, so it's me and uh, a few friends that I work with on this project. Well, I, I gotta say, like I uh, I actually feel bad that we are releasing this. Uh, this isn't gonna come out till after till the new year. We're releasing. We're recording this. What is it in December at some uh, point? And mm-hmm. uh, I feel bad because this. I, I'll, I'll I'll make sure to tweet about this because this is the perfect gift for anyone that listens to this podcast. <laughs> like, um, which you know we were just talking about before we started. How I, like I like finding people. Like I like people who uh, really know uh, go deep on things and like take their interest in something. Um, you know, further than you ever thought possible. And you have done that. Like you're, you're sending me a curated selection of people who are like (laughs) doing that professionally. Um, so I think if you listen to this podcast, there's a pretty good chance you're going to enjoy, uh, this service, which is at, what's that website again? Uh, trade journal, cooperative.com trade journal, cooperative.com. Uh, check it out. Obviously I love it. Uh, you never need to pay for an ad now. You know, I've betrayed my, betrayed my true feelings. (laughs) Um, but I, I, I really love the service. I, I have personally sold at least two other people on this. I heard about it from a friend, so I, I, I'm always so excited to talk about it. Um, so I'm excited you came by to tell me about your side of it. So thank you for uh, starting it and coming by and telling us about it tonight. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on the show, Jeff. That was a HeadGum Podcast. 